Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the Energy Guys podcast. I'm Doug Luciani, uh, CEO of Traverse Connect in Traverse City, and I'm joined by representatives of the four utilities that serve our area. I'll start on my right and let each in- introduce themselves. Tony? Tony Anderson, General Manager at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. Doug DeYoung, Area Manager, Consumers Energy. Tim Ahrens, Executive Director for Traverse City Light and Power. Steve Rawlings, Regional Manager, DTE Energy. I'm not sure everybody knows what DTE stands for, Steve. Well, uh, that's interesting you ask. (laughs) It's actually um, our New York Stock Exchange ticker symbol that was assigned to us when we merged both the gas company known as Mishcon or Michigan Consolidated Gas and Detroit Edison. Thank you. Well, we're going to continue from there. I want to go right into the um, recent Supreme Court ruling on the EPA's uh, rules relative to energy production. So we're not getting into all of the Supreme Court rulings recently, but we're going to. There was one that affected energy, and Doug, I'm going to start with you and and ask what uh, if you can kind of summarize what just happened at the Supreme Court and how that may or may not impact what might happen in terms of plant closings in Michigan. Well, what happened at the Supreme Court was a ruling uh, basically back to the EPA saying that you did not factor cost into your requirements. And because you didn't factor cost into your requirements, you have to go back and restructure all of your requirements looking at cost as part of that. What it means for consumers' energy is we already had a separate agreement with the EPA to close our seven coal facilities here in Michigan. We're already down that path and down that um, you know, investment into closing those facilities. So we're going to continue that for a number of reasons. One, the age of the facilities. It was time to look at new, new investments. Secondly, um, the investment we would have to make in those facilities was not cost prohibitive to the age of the facilities. And thirdly, because we had already had this agreement with the EPA, we're going to continue to uh, close down those facilities and provide uh, cleaner air in our region based on those closures. So it sounds like then that um, there were, there was a lot of hand-wringing about what the EPA was doing and what it was going to mean. and. And when the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that EPA, uh, all those, a lot of those things are going to happen anyway. Well, so much time went by before the ruling came out from the Supreme Court. People had to take action on the regulations at hand, and they did that. You know, they made the business decision to shut stuff down based on the rules they had. There and are still several plants out there, though, in other states along the Ohio River, um, you know, in the, in the Midwest that may be looked at differently because their plans hadn't potentially started yet. Uh, We had already gone down our path, so we're going to continue on that path and look for new investments as we move forward into Michigan's energy policy. So how would this affect the municipal utility? Well, for Traverse City Light and Power, obviously we no longer have a coal-fired power plant. Um, However, Pretty much whatever impacts DTE and consumers' energy does impact Traverse City Light and Power customers as we are invested in plants that they own, uh, cold-fired plants. And uh, through the Michigan Municipal Electric Association, we have uh, been advocating 
uh, for changes to the EPA regulations uh, on behalf of really all the munis, the 40 munis in the state, because uh, what is not good for the actual plant owners ultimately in the end because we purchased the power from them is not good for the municipal customers as well. So uh, we've all seen uh, charts that show these big plumes of, of parts of the country where energy uh, power plants are closing because of the EPA regulations and what that's going to mean in terms of potential investment, what, what could be lost in terms of power supply and power generation. And, and it was kind of a uh, chicken little, the sky is falling scenario. Uh, when the Supreme Court ruling came out, it was sort of, oh, I guess that's not going to happen. But then the utilities are coming out and saying, well, you know, it is still going to happen. We were too far down the road. So so I guess, well, there's, what, what, what's the future hold? There's two sets of standards. There's the EPA uh, st mercury standards, which was the ruling that, that just came out, we're expecting uh, another set of standards of, to be finalized by this fall that really talk about carbon emissions. And so there are two sets of standards that we're talking about here, both having impacts on generation throughout the Midwest and throughout uh, really from the east to the west. And so it's really going to see it really is going to determine whether this impacts those later standards that come out later this year or this impacts some of the those some of those plants that maybe not had gone through the process yet to move forward but i think at the end it it just says the EPA what the supreme court said was the EPA has to factor cost into its standards moving forward and i think that's that's really the, the impact of this moving forward. I agree. Um, I think when you're uh, considering investing millions or billions into generation, um, you have to kind of take a look at the writing on the wall and see where things are going, make an educated guess on uh, where to place your money. And I think uh, the momentum for change is well afoot. Um, while this Supreme Court ruling probably slowed down the um, uh, mercury emission standards, um, as Doug said, the carbon uh, emission standards are, are still coming down the track uh, at us, as well as he mentioned uh, the, the aging coal fleets that we do have in Michigan and the Midwest. Beyond that, we have a situation where even regardless of the Supreme Court ruling on the EPA standards, Michigan uh, has uh, analogous standards on mercury emissions as well. So uh, some states um, still have to meet those emission criteria regardless of the EPA ruling. Well, would this filter down to state Supreme Courts that would look at that as precedent setting? I mean, how momentous was this ruling? I think it was momentous for the future because anytime you make a federal body like the EPA have to look at cost, it's going to affect their rulemaking in the future. So I think that we won't see the implications of this ruling. For yeah, some I think years the, to come. the real win here is for um, the electric rate payers, uh, industrial, commercial, residential. Um, thank goodness for leadership like um, Attorney General Bill Schuette, um who uh, you know took up this case on behalf of Michigan. 
uh, before the Supreme Court and uh, argued on behalf of the ratepayer that, listen, standards are one thing and we need them. Uh, we need clean standards and we need to move the needle uh, for air emissions uh, from all sources. But we can't do it in a vacuum or in a silo. It needs to be looked at in the context of cost to businesses and residents. And I think that's where the real win is, is that not that we don't want them or can't deal with them, but it's at what rate and at what cost uh, so that we can manage our economy along the way. Absolutely. Well, I don't see this really affecting um, Governor Snyder's energy plans or his policies or anything going forward for Michigan. Uh, would any of you? No, no, no. It's it, it'll have no impact. Well, Michigan is going to have to set some standards based on the federal standards. So, um, whether it will have an impact on that or not, we'll have to see. But that will have to be, I think, will have to be uh, part of the discussion uh, at the federal level back to the states when they set those state standards and ask for your state plan. Um, well, let's talk about Michigan for a minute. Um, well, for a little bit, most of the rest of our time, actually. The big, the big things that Michigan's looking at right now are choice. So whether people should be able to choose what electric utility they get their power from. And then um, s standards, um, what the, how the utilities have to uh, provide that power and how much of that has to be renewable energy. And I guess they've changed the language from energy efficiency to energy waste. Uh, new term of art, but uh, I don't think everybody really understands how we got where we are on choice. Uh, we have a 10% uh, limit on what on choice, and 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 I know that this has been an educational year for me in terms of understanding that this is a relatively new uh, standard that was set uh, in 2006, I believe. Mm, earlier, actually. Uh, the, just a brief history, Doug. Um, according to according to my my experience with it, but um, the the ch the choice concept and the deregulation concept really started back in the '90s. It was brought to us under the leadership um, of Governor Engler's administration. Um, it was a thought at the time. Uh, this was pre Enron disaster, pre. Dynagy disaster, pre-California deregulation disaster. It was thought that uh, the competitive electric markets would bring savings to customers and industry so that it would uh, you know, provide incentives and a boost to our industrial and commercial uh, accounts mainly in, uh, in Michigan. Since then, uh, there's been ver various iterations, but in 2000, um, in the year 2000, uh, the state enacted uh, energy policy, which allowed for uh, complete 100% uh, uh, choice within the market. Uh, we rapidly found as a state during that experiment and uh, that now subsequent to the Enron disaster, the California debacle, that there were problems associated with 100% uh, deregulation. Uh, in 2007, uh, the legislature came together under the um, leadership of Governor Granholm, and they devised a package and put some confines onto that uh, deregulation um, experiment, and, and they locked it in uh, in law in 2008 and, and codified it as 10% of the market could be 
deregulated. So we we entered into a hybrid state of deregulation. They also took out residential customers, small users, and they, it was restricted in 2008 to large user, users. And so, they also exempted municipal utilities correct. from being required. You got operation. out then? You we were did. in choice before? We were not in it. Um, we were given the opportunity to participate or not participate. Okay. And all 40 munis in, in the state opted out. Okay. So that's the history. Fast forward to 2015. Um, for other reasons, um, you know, we're we're looking at a comprehensive energy plan in the state, um, and we now hopefully are going to be able to tweak that even more to fix it even more, or at least address the problems we've encountered. Uh, and explain the, some of those problems, I guess. Well, it, some of the problems we've encountered are really who, associated with, uh, I'd say, utilities. I'll speak on behalf of utilities, but really the state in general. We've, we've, we're now entering um, a phase where we believe to be there will be a situation of capacity constrainment capacity shortfall in the future. What does that mean in layman's terms? So though that, that means in layman's terms that we will have more demand for electricity than we have the ability to produce. In Michigan or in general? It would be in Michigan, specifically what I'm talking, but in general, uh, throughout MISO, there's varying levels depending on what's happening in those categories or regions. MISO? Midwest, uh, in, uh, Mid-continent, I'm sorry. Independent system operator. Yes, it's mid, the mid, regional manager of the grid. Mid Midwest intercontinent, intercontinent <laughs> system operator. Most, most we, we, refer, we refer to it MISO, but re, they're really in control of the grid and in control of energy supply of flow uh, throughout Michigan and the Midwest. Uh, it's a it's a large region. Um, it has. Um, you know, companion operators throughout the rest of the United States. But make a long story short, uh, you know, capacity shortfall generally means uh, we're going to have more demand for electricity than we have ability to produce or available on the market, uh, which could be a shortfall, capacity shortfall. So the, cho- the problem we're experiencing with deregulation now and choice now is that with we in a situation of capacity shortfall, um, there is going to be an increased scrutiny as to who gets the remaining capacity or who gets the capacity that you have. And if you have a segment of your state or a segment of your energy users out on the market, maybe buying from Ohio, maybe buying from uh, you know, places other than Michigan and perhaps transporting it into Michigan, uh, and if that becomes unavailable, unaffordable, or volatile, are they allowed to come back to the utility and share in what may be a scarce resource? Uh, and so those are the system issues that we're trying to address or need to address. Some of the other things, you know, where um, the, the, the RPS standard has come to a, a, a sunset. RPS? Renewable Portfolio Standard uh, in 2008 uh, as part of the package I re- referenced earlier. Um, we decided that we were going to generate 10% of our portfolio uh, was going to be renewable, and it would be we'd do that by the year 2015. Um, we have achieved that goal, and so it's time to take another look at that. Tim, um, in terms of renewable portfolio standards, the municipal utilities are exempt. Is that correct? 
No, we're required to participate in that. So how do you address RPS uh, and as a, as a Traverse City power company? Well, we had a certain amount of our uh, energy coming from power purchase agreements, but then we were also exposed to the market um, for a large portion of our um, energy. And uh, right away, uh, this utility went and invested in a wind farm in McBain and receives 10 megawatts of energy from that. And also through the Michigan Public Power Agency has landfill gas contracts. And um, so, you know, amongst all of those different things, we have about 11% of our portfolio is renewable at this point. So everybody's kind of scrambling for the same energy is what it sounds like. And to, to make sure that they have theirs or they have their contracts in place, et cetera, it sounds very, very complex. And, and the, Steve, thanks for the history on that. Um, uh, uh, Doug, you were a, a government relations director uh, before you went to consumers, and you're still very involved in legislative issues for consumers. What percentage of the legislature right now was in office in Michigan in 2007, 2008? Well, I don't even know that percentage. It's pretty slim. Um, maybe a few of the state senators. I'd probably Senator Boer. Um, maybe four. nobody in the House. Nobody in the House. No, it would. They would all be term limited and gone by now. So it would be maybe a handful of state senators. You could have some policy people still hanging around in some of the departments at the at the state level, but legislatively, it would be a handful of senators. So in twenty sixteen, after all of this is done. We have about, uh, what, two-thirds or, or more of the House and Senate are up for election in Michigan. So you have people that are just learning what happened 10 years ago. Uh, they, will, they will just have a handle on it. They will just have passed policy for the state of Michigan that, that, that ensures that the elected officials have their, their finger on the pulse as it relates to energy and we could have a whole new bunch so so let's talk <laughs> we, about we spend, term limits you know our association for municipal utilities spends an awful lot of time communicating with the legislators and um, you're right it's a restart every time and and it's quite an education process it's like for me as a muni when you have a new board member as a layperson you have to go through orientations it takes it takes really a couple years for a new board member to really be up to speed um, through education and presentations about what how this electric utility industry works. So it is a challenge. Yeah, so Steve's example or his history on uh, choice is, is the perfect example. Back in 2000, we had everybody had choice. The residential customer had choice. The industrial customers had choice. Well, fast forward to this year, Eric Nesbitt uh, in the House introduces a bill or talks about introducing a bill that opens choice to everybody. Well, he doesn't know the history from 2000. So he just starts his own deal, and here we are doing it all over again. It didn't work. We had the example in history. Yeah. And that's the frustration with term limits. We're constantly retraining, yeah, and, and nobody pays attention to the history. And, in fact, we, we all suffer from it as well, I mean, um, because it's hard to keep track of these legislators. Actually, it, um, it was um, – 
Representative Shirky at the time, uh, last year, that introduced the, a bill to open it up 100%. Uh, Senator Shirky now, Eric Nesbitt, who is the new chair of the House Energy and Tech Committee, or Energy Policy Committee, it's called now, in the House, he actually introduced a bill in this session uh, which would uh, completely re-regulate the system uh, back to zero choice. So, uh, but to Tony's point, yeah, I, I mean, I we, the even the industry stuff, types, yeah, we, we have a hard time with these uh, because they're changing rapidly. And I think the point is, is that we're not able to benefit from these legislators who have completed the learning curve, as Tim talked about, and completed all of the due diligence on energy policy. Once they've done that, they're gone and we get to start over and we're probably not leveraging that resource very well. And choice costs Michigan customers. It does cost our customers, it costs DTE customers to cover the cost of the reliability that we have on the system. And having those other customers out there that are very large users that are out there getting getting the choice option were, are being subsidized by the customers that are currently paying for the reliability in Michigan. And so... You have to look at choice and say, okay, who who are who are the winners and who are who's paying for the, those winners in this system? Now, most of those companies do not invest in Michigan energy, and do not invest in producing energy in Michigan. There are some examples of one company that we know of that does, but other than that one company, these other brokers are brokering power off the system and buying it from independent pr providers and others. In Michigan, the independent providers are going away. Um, we've purchased one of the independent providing facilities in Jackson. I know DTE is looking at, and they have purchased one, and they're looking at a second one. Um, and and even Wolverine has purchased. Yeah, that's that's the company. That's the one company that that is winning. Wolverine uh, Power Supply Cooperative, where I get my power from. They've carved out a niche in in Michigan with a subsidiary called Wolverine Power Marketing, where they service large customers in the choice market, and that benefits my members. So, my members are a winner in the choice program. Are they subsidized by the other utilities? Absolutely. But that's the game we got drug into. We didn't want to go into that game. Yeah, I think that's the that's the issue the legislature's dealing with now. We have a benefit that's out there in the marketplace. Uh, there's a certain amount of uh, industry uh, certain amount of electric users that get to benefit, but then that benefit is paid for by others who are not able to benefit. And the question is how do you how do you deal with that inequity? Should the inequity be allowed to continue? Um, and if it is allowed to continue, how do you um, say who can participate and who can't? Then it becomes a fairness issue. Yeah, well, <clears throat> actually, the, the big utilities can participate in choice. You have the ability to take customers from me and from each other, and you've not been able to do that to, the, to a level that of your satisfaction. Well, I think um, the issue there really is more scope and scale. Um, if I recall correctly, the customers that are able to participate in choice from your system are one megawatt and larger, mm -hmm. and I think you have two of them. So, yep. um, and whereas ten percent of uh, you know our load, which represents 
actually a fraction of our customer base, maybe even 0.07% of our customer base, but 10% of our load is subject to, to yeah. choice. So the, there, you there's know, other loads and, all across the state. Sure. However. And, you know, the, the issue to me really is not so much about finding fault with companies in Michigan who are employers that are trying to find um, good rates, good energy rates, and save a dollar, save a dime. But it's about, okay, if that's what we're going to play with, then who's going to be responsible for investing long into energy, investing in the next generation of nuclear energy, investing in the next plant, investing in the next um, set of pipeline infrastructure to service these plants. Uh, if we're going to leave it up to the market, we all know that that's not going to happen. Uh, and so who's going to pay for it or who's going to invest and make sure that the next generation has affordable, reliable, safe electricity? And that's where we can agree. Wolverine, Cherryland, we're investing in Michigan. We're investing in infrastructure. And I, I very much agree with that piece. Well, let's talk about where the 10% came from and the, this, this notion of winners and losers. Um, we just have a few more minutes, and I, I want to take this to, to sort of where, where the legislature seems to be migrating. We don't know exactly what they'll do, but, but one potential scenario is that, that uh, they would leave the 10%, um, but that they, they could consider expanding it for schools. Some public schools right now uh, are participating in choice and others aren't, and it's, a, it's seen as a big advantage for the districts that have choice and the districts that don't, there are um, there are over 600 school district public school districts in the state of Michigan. Um, what would does it matter if it's public or private? I would I would say for Traverse City Light and Power with with our utility being so small, if we were to lose a large customer, one of our largest two customers would have quite an impact on our on our residential customer base in particular. And that's um, TCAPs. <clears throat> No, I meant that, that's on the business side. But when okay. you combine all of the schools and NMC, the college, um, into that equation, and, and they chose to go with another utility provider, that would constitute one of our biggest customers as well combined. And, and it, um, you know, 80% of our customer base are residential. However, they only provide 20% of the utility's revenues. So... If, if we had, you know, commercial customers of that magnitude leaving this utility, it would severely impair our ability to compete um, rate-based, <clears throat> excuse me, with the other utilities in the area. Anyone else? Well, I think, you know, the, the schools, we all want the best for our schools. We want our schools to operate highly effective and efficiently. Um, but we want them to be in a state and in an economy that's working. Uh, we don't want to have schools in a state that has energy shortfall or capacity issues. Um, so, you know, perhaps we look at as a state, uh, maybe a school rate or something like that that could be evenly applied to all schools. Um, but, uh, you know, it's at an expense. And who's going to pick up the expense? All right. Well, that, that's all the time we have. I, I was... Uh Doug DeYoung, would you like the last word? No, I'm fine. <laughs> He's got a big smile. He's happy before done. Well, I'd like to at some point go into the, the new office that the governor established and um, the new director of that office, Valerie Brader, who will be part of our economic outlook breakfast this fall and whether whether that will be effective and, and 
that would be a good topic for our next meeting. Thanks, Energy Guys. I think it would be nice to invite her to the next podcast meeting (laughs) to participate. You know, that's a great idea. (laughs) You heard it here. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) 